you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Three, two, one, happy 2000. No time on the clock, and the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Jordan open, Chicago with the lead. Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Below the Mic. And welcome, everybody. We are back. This is Below the Mic, and we are live every single Thursday from 6 p.m., TAPM at night. Remember, you can call us at 1 845 478 3272 is the number. And remember, you can follow us on all our social medias by going to Periscope, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, radio.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and throughout all the platforms throughout the country. You can check us out. All you got to do is go to WWSRN underscore radio or follow us by going to our website at worldwidesportsradio.com. Speedy PD, I don't know what is up with you lately, but for some reason, you pick the wrong clips, you make mistakes. I don't know what's going on with you today, but I, I did not like. I, talk, I By the way, that was Eli Manning, if people didn't understand who that was. That was Eli Manning uh, doing his announcement when he was hoisting the um, Lombardi trophy, and he picked a terrible, I don't know, I don't know where you got that clip. You got it from YouTube. I did. <laughs> yeah, well, you got it from YouTube. You should be listening to it before you actually I play did. it. I did. And well, how did you not hear? Let me, uh, Speedy, because I, I'm going to do it on live radio because this is a problem which we have on this show. You, you don't even listen to the clip. If you actually listen to the clip, you would know that the clip was actually pre-recorded by somebody on his phone, and it wasn't on. Uh, Mike. All right, it was all I could find. I, you look for. I then tell me that was all you could find, and that would be it. That's it. That's what. That's the way you do it. That's how a producer is supposed to work with the the host of the show. If you can't find something, you tell the host, and that's it. Anyways, sorry to the fans. I just I, I have to do it, and I, I do it on the show because I get so frustrated that I ask somebody to do something and it just doesn't come out right. Anyways, that was Eli Manning, and before we get into the Eli Manning and me taking shots at Speedy, what is going on, Speedy? 
just normal life, just editing, working hard for the station, and talking sports here. And as a Giants fan, Eli Manning's retirement was due to come, and it's finally come. Well, again, we're going to talk about Eli Manning first, and after we get into Eli Manning, we have a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about the whole Astros situation, and it's not going to be about the Astros situation. It's going to be about baseball as a whole and how this is going to transition baseball with the whole cheating situation with the Astros. We're going to get into the Zion Williamson um, return from the Pelicans after missing half the season. He's now back. He had a great game the other day. Obviously fell short on winning a game. So we will get into the Zion Williamson thing and we'll get in throughout the league. But first things first, before we get into the Eli Manning, we're going to get into today and the week. In sports. The Patriots want answers from Tom Brady before the start of free agency. Obviously, the New England Patriots know that Tom Brady is sitting a sitting duck right now. He moved from Boston. He moved to L.A. And there's some rumors coming out that he is interested in possibly playing for another organization next year. And the Patriots are giving him a deadline. And if he does not answer to the deadline... If he doesn't answer the deadline, there is a quite quite possible uh, chance that the Patriots will not bring him back next year. Antonio Brown allegedly threw a rock at a driver after assaulting him. Antonio Brown seems to be in the tabloids all over Twitter and all over social media. This guy has just been a complete mockery of the NFL and where the NFL is going with all these domestic violence situations, the steroids, the CTE it's it's out of control right now, and to me, I think Antonio Brown needs to be controlled by the NFL. They got to reach out to him, get him some help. This guy needs to be locked up and and the key thrown away. I I don't know what the hell is going on with this guy in his brain. George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? Right now, they're trying to compare who the great, the two best uh, tight ends in football. Which I do believe it's George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. They're trying to compare both guys now that they're playing in a Super Bowl. And to me, George Kittle is the best all-around tight end right now in the NFL. But I do believe Travis Kelsey is the best offensive tight end in all of football. So that's a good article right now. Kevin Stefanski, who just got the Browns job, says he will meet with Odell Beckham Jr. to discuss his behavior at LSU in the title game. Now, everybody knows what happened with Odell Beckham. He was paying the players. He was throwing hundreds to the players after they won the national championship. I'm sure the NFL is going to look at this, and he might be fined. I think he will be fined. But is the Browns going to find him, or are the Browns going to try to move him? That's going to be a very good question. I I, I don't know if Stefanski, Stefanski is actually going to keep Odell Beckham on this team, knowing with all the problems that he has had in the past. LeBron James answers the question about playing with his son on the Knicks. My son is in ninth grade. So LeBron James was asked by the press after the game recently against the New York Knicks that if his son was drafted by the New York Knicks, would you play for the New York Knicks with your son? And he said, why am I going to answer this question? He's still in the ninth grade. So LeBron James still taking shots at the New York Knicks. He doesn't even want to acknowledge the New York Knicks because of the whole James Dolan situation and Phil Jackson situation. NBA trade rumors suggest the Sixers are focusing on Bajanovic and Robert Covington. The same Robert Covington they traded to the Timberwolves last year. 
So this is going to be an interesting story throughout the season because the Tim, right now the Philadelphia, uh, Phil, uh, Philadelphia 76ers are looking for a shooter. And Covington, I think, is shooting 36 or 37% at the three-point line. So they're looking for a straight-edge straight shooter for this team. And the last story that I want to get into, Danny Ainge confirms the Celtics offered scouting job to the trouble Delonte West. If you guys don't know who Delonte West is, he played with LeBron James with the Cavaliers throughout the, the years, of the, the first beginning stages of LeBron James's career with the Cavaliers before he went to Miami and then came back to the Cavaliers. This is the same guy supposedly slept around with LeBron James's mom. And then people have saw, saw him... Uh, you know, he's a, a, I don't know if he's a junkie, but he's a bum who lives on the streets. And um, I think in Florida, he was spotted uh, asking for money at a mart, a local mart. So it's crazy that Danny Ainge offered him a job to be a scout. This guy wasn't a great basketball player. Is he a great scout? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is with this guy. So we will see as this most moves forward. But. Delonte West was actually offered a job with the Boston Celtics. How in touch with he is in with today's NBA, too. If he's not able to watch, if he's just living on the street and lost all that money like he did. I wonder how in touch he would be to get that kind of scouting role, especially for the Celtics, who they draft, they've had a lot of draft picks the last couple of years, and they seem to home grow their talents. Well, it's going to be a really, really good question if he decides to take the job from Danny Ainge where this guy is going to go in the future. Because this guy, everything I've heard, he was living on the streets and he had a drinking problem. So, And he kind of ruined his career because there were stories coming out that he was sleeping around with LeBron James's mom. So, I mean, that's pretty much the story in sports this week. But uh, it, it's it's a crazy story with Delonte West because uh, I think if, it wasn't, if I wasn't mistaken, I think it was 30 for 30 or E60 wrote a story or did a story on Delonte West on where he is after his career in the NBA. And he won million. He he earned a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. He threw it away, and then supposedly he was living on the streets for a significant amount of time. Uh, there was a story that um, a couple of years ago E60 wrote a story about a hockey player, a first round draft pick that was drafted. I forget who drafted. I think it was the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. That drafted him. He was a first-round talent. I think he was a top-ten pick who didn't have much of a career in the NBA. I mean, the NHL, and then winded up living on the streets and liked living on the streets after his very slight career in the NHL. So, Hmm. I mean, these are not crazy stories, and and you hear this all the time. You you heard about Walker when he played for the Celtics and how much money he won with the Celtics, and I mean, not won, but earned with the Celtics, and then threw it all the way with buying cars and going to Foxwoods and casinos and throwing it all away. He spent, I think, $85 million in his career, and he is now bankrupt. So wow. uh, there's a lot of professional athletes that don't know what they're doing with their money or have no clue on how to spend their money at the end of their career and throw it all away. In so the NFL recently, Vince Young did, just went bankrupt for mm-hmm. a while, was going bankrupt for a while, and Clinton Portis, I think, five or six years ago, mm-hmm. filed for bankruptcy as well. So there's definitely plenty of examples of that. It's going to be a very, very interesting next couple of years because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other athletes that are going to throw away their money with stupid, obvious things that you should not be doing with your money. Mm-hmm. So. 
Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of dumb players out there that make a lot of money. They're kids. Remember, you know what's funny? It, it, these kids are 17, 18 years old. They get, out of, they get out of high school, and they get a contract. You know, For instance, Gary Sanchez, at the age of 15, out of the Dominican Republic, the Yankees gave him $3 million to sign him from the Dominican Republic. He was in the farm system for almost seven years before he got called up. And you wonder, making all that money, $3 million at, as a 15-, 16-year-old, that's a lot of money. Especially from a third world, a third war, a world country. World. I'm sorry, third world country like the Dominican Republic. So uh, you wonder what some of these players do with that money at such a young age. I mean, do they buy cars? Do they they buy buy houses? Uh, I forget the player that the Red Sox traded away to the Chicago White Sox. Um, the second, uh, the the shortstop. You are Mancada. Mancada. Yeah who was a big car fan. He got all that money, obviously, from this, from the Boston Red Sox signing him from, you know, wherever he was playing. I think he was from the – was he from the Dominican – no, the Cuba, I think I, it was. No, what? I don't think he was Cuba. I, thought, I think he was Puerto Rico. Wherever he was from. He, he got a lot of money from the Boston Red Sox, and he, I think he got like 30 or $35 million. Mm-hmm. And he threw it all away on cars. And they did a story on him. I think E60 did a – a story on him that he spent almost seventeen or eighteen million dollars on cars. Maybe that, the Mets should trade Cespedes to the White Sox just so him and Cespedes could come come in luxury cars in spring training at the same time. <laughs> it's it's a crazy story, but uh, again, um, I think athletes have no idea what they're doing with their money, and they throw their money away, and they don't have any understanding on where they could put it, how they can finance it, or bring in a financial executive to help them out with their money. A lot of people, LeBron James is a genius with that. He has his, all his old friends, the kids that he grew up with, to help him out with his money because those, those are the people that he trusts the best and trusts the most. And I think a lot of these players need to do that. Bring in people that you trust. Not necessarily, I mean, who's seen, who's seen Rocky Four? I mean, I'm sorry, not Rocky Four, Rocky Five. If you if you know anything about Rocky Five, Rocky Five won uh, Rocky Five. He won all that million millions and millions of dollars, and then Paulie signed supposedly his 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 wife's brother Paulie. If you if you guys don't know the Rocky story, he signed pretty much uh, all the money towards his finance lawyer, his his lawyer, his financial lawyer, and his financial lawyer ran away with his money, and he was broke, oh, and he geez. had to move, he had to sell his. All his, uh, all his stuff in his house, he had to sell his mansion, and practically lost everything. And he had to live on the streets of Philadelphia again, where he grew up, in a different style. of you know, when, you, when you go from rags to riches, and then go back to rags, it's a completely different lifestyle. Right. And uh, I think a lot of these players forgot that when they made all that money, and then they realized that they'll, they, oh, they think they'll never be in that situation again. Right, you're so used to it. You just can't go back, and it's just shocking when you are. When and you they are don't back. realize, you know, what they're doing to themselves and their families and, and the money that they make. So it, it's a shame. It really is a shame. And some of these athletes need to figure this out because, again, I, I look at the game as a whole, and I, I – and especially sports, professional sports. When you look at the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, all these athletes are making so much more money than they were making in the 80s, the 70s, and the 90s. And the reason why, with with all the, the CBA, uh, new contracts, uh, the new... 
TV deals that they're making, some, some of the endorsements that they're making. I mean, and, and each and every one of these teams and owners are getting a piece of all these different things. And I think that's the problem. These players are making too much money and they don't know what to do with it or they think they have so much of it, so much of it they don't know what to do with it and they spend it in different areas where they shouldn't be spending it. So... Uh, unfortunately, that and and that's why I want to get into the you know that's why I wanted to get into the Delonte West thing because uh, this is a guy that made millions of dollars. I he didn't make he didn't make ten or twelve or thirteen million, but I'm sure he made in his career at least ten million dollars. You know, I'm not talking about ten million dollars a year, but I'm sure he in in his five six year uh, stint in in the in the NBA he made at least ten million dollars. The fact that he has no money left. Is scary. I mean, because ten million dollars, all of us are never going to see ten million dollars. Right. Uh, I mean, I think the average American in their lifetime see three million dollars. The average American, that's in a life lifetime. If you live to eighty years old, you only see three million dollars. The fact that this guy saw double that in, in such a little bit of time, right. and he threw it away, it, it, it's scary. It really is. And, and, and Walker, who is a great basketball player, borderline Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer, but a borderline Hall of Famer. He, had, he went bankrupt, what was it, five, six years after he left the league. And this guy made, I think, an average, I think, 88 or $89 million in his whole career. How do you spend $89 million? It's just, it's ridiculous. I don't know. It just it throws me off when you hear these stories. I'm surprised he wouldn't have gotten some kind of, some, some kind of job from the Celtics over... Or- Delonte West, being that he was a Celtic. Mm. Anyways, uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we'll get into the whole Eli Manning, and I will have my whole thoughts of Eli Manning's career here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. one 3272 is the number here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Studios. And remember, guys, you can follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. What do we have here, Speedy? We got Depeche Mode again. This song is called Just Can't Get Enough. Mm-hmm. I see that you like to pick your favorite artists. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> You like them. You play a lot of their music. I, this is only the second one I've played of them. That's two. You're right. but I You started what, doing this for what? Two weeks? Well, and you've already played two of their songs. What, what was the first when we did the Tears for Fears initially? What was that? That was November. So I guess we've done this tradition really for two months now. Mm-hmm. It's only the second time I've played them. And they have a lot of songs that I know. So. Well, there you go. As, we, as you guys know, we play lyrical 80s music when we come back from break. And uh, I asked Speedy to pick 80 music, 80s music lyric. Well, I don't want anything with lyrics, by the right. way. But, but it's instrumental. It's rare that these kinds of bands, though, usually they're one-hit wonders, so they only have one notable song. Mm. But uh, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Tears for Fears, and other bands like that have multiple hits. So if, I have, if, if they have them, I'll play them. There you go. As you guys know, I, I really wanted to get into the Eli Manning situation and... Obviously, it was a, I think uh, it was about 24 hours ago, it came out. I think ESPN or NFL Network came out with the story that Eli Manning is going to announce his retirement on Friday morning. And 
I know a lot of Giant fans, some Giant fans are very sad. Some Giant fans are relieved that he's retiring. And some Giant fans are kind of like in the middle of everything. Eli Manning is one of the great Giant quarterbacks that we've seen in any era. Because if you look at the great quarterbacks that they've had, there really was only two of them. Phil Simms and Eli Manning. If you look at Eli Manning's career numbers, and I'm looking at them right now, he played 236 games. He should have played 236 (laughs) consecutive games in his career. Mm -hmm. He was 117 and 117, so he had a 500 record as a starting quarterback. With all those bad teams at the end of his career, he still had a 500 record. His completion percentage was 60.3, which is over 50%, which is not bad. He threw 57,023 yards in his career. Averaged seven yards a throw. And 366 touchdowns to 244 interceptions, which is almost 100 more touchdowns to interception. That's a pretty good number. When you look at these numbers, some people would say it's a borderline Hall of Fame numbers. They're borderline Hall of Fame numbers. But what changes Eli Manning from not being a Hall of Famer to being a Hall of Famer was his career in the playoffs. If you look at Eli Manning's career in the playoffs, and I think he's been in the playoffs, I think, five times or six times in his career. He won two Super Bowls. Yeah, every year from 05 to 08, he was in the playoffs. And then 2011, obviously, they won the Super Bowl the second time. And 2016, yep, six times. So out of six years being in the playoffs, he won two Super Bowls. And he's one of only five, I think, five players to win. Actually, I think it's six now. Six players to win two Super Bowl MVPs. Now, when you look at that and the runs that he made, remember, both times he was a wild card team. Both times. No, the second time he was a weak division winner. But they were still 9-7. and seven. They actually were a worse record, but they were a four seed. They were a four seed? Yeah. I thought they were but a they wild were, card they team. But they were a road warrior either way. I thought they were a wild card team. But nevertheless, that's because they're in the weakest division in all of, uh, all of sports. Right. They won that division at 9-7. and seven. That, that division is the worst division in all of sports, and it's been the worst division in all of sports for the last 20 years. I'm sure one of the Eastern Conference divisions no. of basketball have to no. be worse. No, that's, that's a worse division. You think? Yes. Mm. How many teams have won a Super Bowl in the last 20 years in that division? Giants twice and the Eagles, so that's three. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The NFC North, Green Bay won no, one. Talking about them. I'm talking about the NFC East. Right. I'm how pro- many championships? Right. I'm comparing them to the, I'm not comparing them. the NFL. I'm not comparing them right now. I'm comparing how many championships in that division have they won? Three. Three. Three, Three in 20 years. Three. That's not good. Those aren't good numbers. Okay? I'm sorry. Those aren't good numbers. Now, I think this is still one of the weakest divisions in all of professional sports. But that doesn't take away the runs that the Giants made with Eli Manning in the years that they, they went to the playoffs. They beat an undefeated Patriot team that nobody thought was ever going to be beaten. One of the greatest teams of all time, 
defensively and offensively. One of the best offensive teams we've ever seen in ever, really. That's just season out of a wide receiver by Randy Moss. And Tom Brady and Wes Welker and all the other weapons they had. Arts Maroney wasn't bad either as a running back. But when you look at Eli Manning, you look at the greatness of what he has done in the playoffs, you can look back at what he did in the regular season and you shake your head. He was inconsistent in the regular season for many, many years. And I don't blame him. I blame that the Giants organization. They didn't build around him when the offensive line got old. They went after players in the draft that didn't fit the mold of Eli Manning and the mold of the Giants organization as a whole. You can thank Jerry Reese for that. You can thank uh, Dave Gettleman for that. You look at Eli Manning as a whole. And you, you try to compare him, and you can't compare him to the greats. You can't compare him to his brother Peyton. You can't compare him to Tom Brady or Joe Namath. You could compare him to Joe Namath, but uh, Joe Montana or Johnny Unitas, transitional quarterbacks that changed the game. Dan Marino. You can't compare Eli Manning to those guys. But you can compare him to the second-tier type of quarterback, the Joe Namitz, the Ben Roethlisbergers, the Phillip Rivers. And why I'm mentioning them, because they're all going to the Hall of Fame. All three of them. Ben, Phil, and Eli. They're all going to the Hall of Fame. But you can compare his numbers to those guys. Why? Because his numbers are very identi- pretty much identical in the regular season to both of them. I think Phillip Rivers has better numbers than both of them in the regular season. Yeah, Phillip Rivers had better longevity. But both Ben Roethlisberger and him have the two Super Bowl championships. And that's the difference. And Eli is a two-time Super Bowl MVP, which none of those guys have. So some people would put Eli Manning in front of those guys. Now, I look at the quarterback now, the quarterback position, and we're going to get into that in a little while on the transition of the game. The pocket quarterback now is not the quarterback that these owners, these organizations are looking for anymore. So it's becoming obsolete. And I remember the times, the years that Cam Newton was drafted, Russell Wilson was drafted, even the Kyler Murray, a couple of years, actually last year, last year yeah. being drafted. They say the, the quarterback position is meant to be in the pocket. Now, if you look at the quarterbacks in this year's Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo is a pocket quarterback. Mm-hmm. McCown is not. Mahomes. I mean, sorry, Mahomes is not. Mahomes is um, a traditional pocket quarterback, but he also is a quarterback that can move inside and out of the pocket, can run and throw and do all those things. So now you're seeing the transition of the game and the quarterback position. 
when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, you have two different types of quarterbacks in the Super Bowl now. Now, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not a pocket-present quarterback. He is. But he moves out of the pocket more than he stays in the pocket and throws the ball. Which, that's the new day of age. The Aaron Rodgers. The Mahomes. The Lamar Jacksons. The Russell Wilsons. The Cam Newtons. The Sam Darnolds. The Josh Allens. The game is transitioning. So, of course, you look at Eli Manning, being that he's 37 years old, 38 years old. He's a veteran player that's played in the league for almost 17 years. And I, th- I still think Eli Manning has some left. I think he could still play in the league. But now these owners and these GMs and, and these coaches, they're looking for the – they're not looking for the traditional quarterback, the pocket-present quarterback. They're looking for the, the quarterback that can do all different things, inside, outside of the pocket, can throw accurately, throwing on the run, and all those aspects of the game which has transitioned over the last couple of years. Eli couldn't even run when he was young. <laughs> And even Daniel Jones, who was drafted last year by the New York Giants, he's now the new style of quarterback that the Giants want to start. Uh, obviously, the, the, the position, they want to start the position that way now. Now, do I think Eli Manning could play in the league still? Yes, I do. Do I think Phillip Rivers could play in the league still? Yes, I do. Do I think Ben Roethlisberger will be playing on another, he will be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year, but will he be capable enough to be the type of guy that can lead him to another Super Bowl? I still think he could. Because the game has transitioned. Just because the game has transitioned does not mean the pocket quarterback can't last in the NFL. Right. Still larger samples of pocket quarterbacks. I mean, look at last year. Look who was in the Super Bowl last year. Tom Brady and Jared Goff. Both guys are pocket quarterbacks. They are not the movable, I guess, what do they call that? Mobile. Mobile quarterback that we talk about all the time in the NFL. Now, the greatness of Eli Manning is not going to be, you're not going to try to compare him to Joe Montana and those guys. You're not going to, he's not even in, the same boat as those guys. But when you try to compare them to the last 15, 16 years, the only three quarterbacks that I can honestly say that I would take over Eli Manning and not you can't compare Eli Manning and, or even put him in the same view as these guys are Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Besides those three guys, you can, you can put Eli Manning in that second tier with Ben, with Phillip, with those type of quarterbacks. And that's why I think when everybody says, well, I don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, well, tell me, besides those three quarterbacks that I mentioned, numbers-wise, who was better than Eli Manning? Eli Manning, I think, is fourth all-time in yards thrown. Seventh in touchdowns, too. Seventh in touchdowns in his career. 
He's thrown over 120 more touchdowns and interceptions, which is remarkable. So I'm not an Eli Manning fan, and I'm analyzing what I saw as, as an analytic talk show host. I think Eli Manning is, is still the greatest quarterback to ever play in New York. Seventh yards and touchdowns for both. I'm talking about for both teams. I'm talking about the Jets and the Giants. Eli Manning is the greatest New York quarterback out of both teams. And if you really want to compare him to even Buffalo, because they're New York too, I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time for Buffalo too. Even though Jim Kelly was a great quarterback, I would take Eli Manning over Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly never won a Super Bowl. He went to four consecutive Super Bowls and never won one. (laughs) And one was aided by the fact that his backup quarterback made a great comeback against the Houston Oilers when they were down 35-0 at halftime. (laughs) When you look at Eli Manning, and and I know a lot of people want to compare his game to his brother's. And I, I can argue this over and over again. Eli Manning was a better playoff quarterback than Peyton was. Yeah. In the bigger game, he always showed up. Peyton Manning was the better regular. Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. The greatest. It's not even an argument. But you can't put Eli Manning in the same boat as Peyton because Peyton and Peyton is looked at as one of the top three quarterbacks, top four quarterbacks that ever play this game. Eli is not even anywhere in that vicinity. So you can't argue, well, why can't you, why can't you compare Peyton Manning and Eli? Well, Peyton's thrown almost 20,000 more yards than Eli has. <laughs> I mean, he's thrown, I think, 50, 60, I'm sorry, not 50, 60. He's thrown over probably 150 more touchdowns that Eli Manning has. And he's just a better quarterback. Do we have a first caller of the day? Who are we yep. speaking to? Mr. Marks, how are you? What's going on, my friend? Who are we speaking to? The Bees. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. What's going on, my friend? Um, now, if Eli Manning didn't have these two Super Bowls, are you still, would you put him in the Hall of Fame? No. Okay. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame, even though his numbers are Hall of Fame-like. I mean, look at it. He's fourth all-time in yards thrown. He's seventh all-time in touchdowns thrown. I mean, those are Hall of Fame numbers. He's thrown 120 more touchdowns than interceptions. I mean, he played for 200. I think he played 235 consecutive games before Ben Mackett, idiot. (laughs) Took him out. Yeah. I mean, these are Hall of Fame numbers. So, do I think Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame without uh, Hall of Famer without those two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs? I would say no, but to other people and analytically, he is. It didn't show you because if you look at Eli, two hundred five consecutive games. Okay, two hundred five. Eli Manning, you can't take away of what he has done for the Giants organization and really New York as a whole. Because if you look at the game and the transition of the pocket quarterback to now the mobile quarterback, which we were just talking about, Mm. 
he was the one of the last, you know, part of those traditional pocket present quarterbacks. I mean, there are pocket quarterbacks in the NFL still. I mean, Jared Goff, we just named one. There are some young guys that are pocket quarterbacks. But it's changing. So Eli's one of the last. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is not a pocket quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He likes to move inside and out of the pocket. Phillip Rivers is a pocket quarterback. Yeah. But these guys are they're starting to retire now. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, all these guys, when they're gone... It's going to change. The game has changed. I mean, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo is a pocket quarterback, and Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. So you're going to see the different transition of what the quarterback – but you need to be still a pocket quarterback to be successful in the NFL. But, yeah, like the only ones that are younger on the younger side that are probably true pocket quarterbacks are Goff, maybe Derek Carr, and that's really it. It's not – not much. It's now, a different I mean, game. I mean, Matthew Stafford's older too. Matt Ryan, guys like that are older now too. So it's very little that are just not. Pr- I wouldn't say primarily pocket quarterbacks, but they don't have run plays designed for them like these guys do now. See, I think. Oh, well, I think when when Tony Romo was playing the game, I think he was a better quarterback than Eli. In some years, wise. yeah, but not not all the time. Tony Romo will not be a Hall of Famer. You know why? No, he's not going to be a Hall. No, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer because he never won. He never got. He never won. He never got to the playoffs. That's not why. Because he didn't play why? enough years. Tony Romo That's didn't. True, too. Tony Romo yeah. didn't play enough years. I think he played yeah. eight full seasons, and then he fought injury. Got hurt. No, he played more than eight. I think it was eight or nine. I think two thousand six was his first season because that was the one that was the he had the botch snap in the playoffs. So that would have been 06 to uh, he played, 06 he played, to 12, he, I think he, he played healthy, seasons. and then he started to have the injury issues. So it's probably the equivalent of nine seasons. Yeah, it's probably the equivalent of about eight or nine, yeah. All right, so it's eight. I just said eight. Yeah. Yep. So he didn't play enough years to be a Hall of Famer. Now, is his numbers Hall of Fame-esque? Yeah, they were Hall of Fame-esque. The guy never did anything in the playoffs. The guy is a failure in the playoffs. And I like Tony Romo, and I think Tony Romo will go into the Hall of Fame as an analyst. As an analyst. Yes, as an analyst. I think he will be. But to me, I think Romo was more skill-set than Eli. I do not believe that. I I do. I think Tony Romo Romo did certain things better than Eli, but I think when it came down to it, Eli had a better arm than Tony Romo. Eli Manning won the big game. Tony Romo didn't. Yeah, of course. But that those are big things. When you say that, no, I know that. you know I, you I, have I, to I, look I, at those things. Yeah. He, he, he won the bounce talking about as, as a player, like on the field. I, I think Rumble's arm was just as good as Eli's. No, I don't I think so. Think, I, I just think Rumble didn't have the talent around him. I don't. He, he just wasn't. He didn't have the, the offensive line early in his career. He didn't. He didn't have a lot. Of Their line wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't as good as the it Giants. Flozell like Adams, now. Andre Gerard, uh, Leonard Davis. It they was, they had good offensive good. linemen then. It wasn't as good as the Giants line, but it was still, I would say, was top ten in the league. No, no. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he choked in the playoffs, and uh, like you said, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have the playoff wins, and he didn't last a long season, so. Well, that's why. I think that's the reason why Tony Romo will never be in the Hall of Fame as a player. His numbers are good. I mean, no, he's got great numbers. He's got great numbers. But to compare him to Eli, I wouldn't say he was as good as Eli Manning. I think Tony Romo was he was he was right there with Ben and Philip and Eli. But he wasn't. I think he's just like a small step below. Yes, kind of thing. he tailed behind. He, he was, was like the. He was, he 
just very fragile. He got hurt. I, mean, I would say you would put you would put him with like the Matthew Stafford's type of guy. You know, I put Matthew Stafford like as a third tier type of quarterback. That's mm-hmm. and Matthew Stafford's a great quarterback. I just I put Tony like right there with the Matthew Stafford's uh, the guy that was never in the top five quarterbacks in the league, but he was right there at ten or eleven. You know, right there. You know what I mean? And I think Romo was a good quarterback. He he did very well. If you look at his seasons, certain seasons, Tony Romo was a pro ball player. But Tony Romo, to put him in the same content as Eli Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or Phillip Rivers, I wouldn't put him in that same tier because I, I just don't think they're there. I don't think he's there yet, and I don't think he'll ever be there. I, I do no, believe he's not, he's not going to be because, like you said, he didn't play long enough and he got but, hurt a couple of years. But I do believe that he will be in the Hall of Fame, but as an analyst. Yeah, as an analyst, yeah. Yes, I, I do. But, I, I, I mean, think Tony Romo has a lot of years left at, at doing what he does, and I think eventually yeah. he will be the highest paid analyst in all of professional sports. Because well, well, right now ESPN is trying to get him to come over, so they're going, so we'll see what happens. That would be great for ESPN. <laughs> anything, they need to get, it. anything to get Booger out of there. They need it. <laughs> They absolutely need it. If they can get Tony Romo, and they're gonna have to pay him big bucks because he's making five million a year right now with CBS. So, and he's making he's the highest paid analyst on CBS. So yep. to 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 look at you look at all Jim Nance and all those guys, he's making more money than both all those guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's making five million dollars a year. It's just talking football, and he, and he's really good at it. But if ESPN tries to, you know, ply him away from CBS, they're gonna have to pay him ten million a year. Could you right. imagine making ten million a year sitting there in front of a television and talking football? Because ESPN also <laughs> doesn't do all the playoff games either. CBS does it all year until the Super Bowl in certain years, and sometimes they do the Super Bowl too. They did I, I like year. Tony Romo. I think he's got a great personality, and I think he's very good at what he does. And I, 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 I do. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, but going back to the Eli thing, now you said he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame if he had Super Bowl rings. But now the thing you're saying, Philip Rivers would be a Hall of Famer, and he doesn't have any Super Bowl rings. Well, Philip Rivers had good longevity, though, too. He, have like, you ever looked at Philip Rivers' numbers? Now, Philip Rivers has the best numbers in terms of. I think, By far. T- I think in terms of yeah, touchdowns. But, but, you, but, but you're saying Philip Rivers have longevity, so did Eli Manning. So, uh, right, that, but that, Philip far. Rivers, I think, was in terms of his later years were better in most of those later years. That's why his numbers got because elevated further. The Giants offensive line was well, the Chargers offensive line is not very good either. So All right. I, that kind of cancels out. Philip Rivers' numbers. He has, he's 123 and 100. And, he has 123 reigns to 100 and, 101. So he has, he's 22 games over 500, which is Eli Manning yeah. was 500. Okay? He has yeah. a 64.7 completion percentage. Eli Manning had a 61. That's 3%. That's a lot. Um, he, he threw 59,271 yards. Eli Mann threw 54,000. So he's thrown almost 5,000 or 6,000 more yards than Eli, and he's going to play more years. Phillip is not re- retiring. So he's going to have a lot more yards than that. Phillip Rivers throws 7.8 yards um, um, a catch, which is about where Eli Manning is. He threw 397 touchdowns to 198 interceptions. A lot better than Eli. That's almost 200 more touchdowns and interceptions. Yeah, I think the longevity, Rivers, uh, probably since 2014, yeah, has just had, had more had, good had years. I think 
I, he it. did. He did early in his career have better players, and I think Eli Manning earlier in his career probably had better seasons, but Philip Rivers' longevity helped him get to that point where he is definitely a Hall of Famer, too, and I criticize him well, all the Eli time. Well, Eli has longevity, too. Eli Manning played just as many games or more games that's than that's Philip Rivers. I don't mean in that respect. I mean Philip Rivers in some years recently has been, has been a top-10 quarterback, where Eli Manning has kind of been more middle-tier just with the, the later parts of his because career. Of the talent that they put around Eli, that's not his fault. I didn't say it was. I'm saying— Hold on. The last couple of years, Philip Rivers has not had more talent offensively than Eli Manning. No, I'm not, I'm not saying the last couple They had of Odell years. Beckham, Saquon Barkley. I mean, who does Philip Rivers have to throw to? Well, their receivers are good, but that was only recently. Who, Philip Rivers? Yeah. Who? Who's his, who's their he top? Had, re- he had Keenan Allen, That's Mike it. Williams, and Tyrell Mike Williams. Williams. That's a nice core. Mike Williams hasn't done nothing since he's come from Well, he's the been hurt, too, yeah. And, and since he's been drafted from Clemson, Mike Williams has done nothing. Well, he's been hurt, yeah. That's, That's not an excuse. He's still a skill Again, receiver. he's not a good receiver because he did nothing with Philip Rivers. So don't put Mike Williams in there. Okay, Melvin All right. Gordon and Austin Eckler were both good running right. backs. All right. And First of all, Melvin Gordon. Eckler's done it for a year and a half. Yeah, but Don't bring been Eckler. a good pass catching back. That helps Phillip Rivers. And Eli Manning has had just as much talent as Phillip Rivers had in the last couple of years offensively. He had arguably the best running back in football, and he, has arguably, he had arguably the best wide receiver in football. Okay? On one team. On one team. Okay? Yeah, so, had, but the Giants also had bad coaching. Well, that's fine. The and Chargers so, had some so bad did the Chargers. The Chargers have had some bad coaching, too. So. so did the Chargers. Mike they McCoy not, was a terrible head coach. He wasn't as bad as McAdoo. Come on. No, none of them were as bad as McAdoo, but Mike McCoy well, hold on one Mike, second. Mike McCoy hold on was one second. Hold, hold on one second. Ben McAdoo was not a bad head coach. Again, I'm oh, going to say that. Enough. He was 11-5 his first year, and his second year was what? 6 in. He was 5-11. 5-11. That's not bad numbers for a two-year coach. The reason why Ben McAdoo got fired, it was because of the whole Eli Manning situation. He handled it wrong, even though he was right about Eli Manning. He was done. He was done. Eli Manning has been done since Ben McAdoo, since that yeah, first year. You're not benching Eli Manning for Geno Smith. Come on. No, that was stupid. That's fine. And you want to fire him for that. He didn't get fired because of his record and what he did as a head coach. He didn't get fired for that. He still wasn't a good head coach, though. He wasn't a bad head coach. The players didn't like him. They didn't want to play for him. His first year, he won the division. He was 11-5. and They didn't win the division. They were a wild card team. They were wild card? Dallas won the division. They were 13-3. Okay. I'm sorry. Still eleven and five. They swept the, the Cowboys in the regular season, though. Ironically, he was eleven and five. Okay, that's not a bad record. And being five and eleven, that that to me, the whole turning point of where the 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 the, the Giants were with Ben McAdoo is first the injuries that year, and second the whole Eli Manning. They didn't. He wasn't sure what he was going to do with Eli Manning, and it wasn't really. He was kind of pushed off to Ben McAdoo to make the right decision, and he made the wrong decision. That's the only reason why he got fired. Ben McAdoo would probably still be the head coach of the New York Giants right now if it wasn't for that season when he made the wrong decision well, with they, the alignment. If they had a decent backup quarterback, then I could see them doing that. But other, but what he did was wrong because it wasn't the right thing to That's do. That's fine. But when people say that Ben McAdoo was a bad head coach, you can't say that because he, he, he was a coach for two years, and he was 11-5 and five and 5-11. Five and We've seen coaches go back and forth and then finally win Super Bowls. So you can't say Ben McAdoo was a bad head coach. We haven't seen enough sample size to say sample size to say that he was a bad coach. We don't know. And I believe Ben McAdoo will get another chance. I do. Eventually he will. Oh, okay. Man, what, we'll go back to the Packers, they'll create a position for him. 
If you think Ben McAdoo is never going to get a head coaching job in the NFL, you're blind. All right. Is it going to be a by a is it going to be a by a good organization? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. If he becomes the next head coach of the Browns in three years, I'm not going to be impressed. Just like I believe Jason Garrett's going to get another job, I believe Ben McAdoo is going to get another job. Jason Garrett does have another job right now. No, I'm talking about a job as the uh, head coach. And I believe Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo's. What organization is Ben McAdoo working for right now? Um, uh, look that up, Speedy. No, I think he's. I think he's working. I think he's a quarterback coach for uh, an organization right now. Ben McAdoo. Who's he work for, Speedy? I'm figuring that out. Ben McAdoo. I'm gonna look it up right now, and it no, is. I don't see anything right now. He is. I know he was linked to the Broncos at some point. Oh, he interviewed with the Panthers, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think he got anything. I do believe Ben, ben McAdoo, as, as a career head coach, in the two years that he was a head coach, he was 13 and 16. Those aren't bad numbers. They're not. I mean, that does, that, does that mean he's a great head coach? I didn't say that he was. But to say that he's a terrible head coach, it's like Tyler saying Aaron Boone is a terrible head coach, a, a terrible manager. <laughs> I mean, that's not the same extreme. Yes, it is. Aaron Boone is a lot better than Ben McAdoo. <laughs> well, why is it a lot? Aaron Boone, back-to-back years, made it to the made it to the playoffs. Right. I'm not saying Aaron Boone's bad. I'm saying he's a lot better of for the Yankees than what Ben McAdoo is for the Giants. Well, uh, explain Giants. why. Explain why. He had a lot of offensive talent. You brought it up earlier. The, the offensive talent the Giants had. He wasn't a great game planner. wasn't a great play caller. The reason they were 11-5 and five was defense. They had less than half their games with less than 20 points. That's not good for an offensive coach. And like Mike was saying earlier, most of the players didn't like him. That's fine. But, that, again, that doesn't make him a bad coach. All those things that you said, their offensive numbers, that's because Eli Manning couldn't get out in and out of the pocket. He was old looking. Look at the Giants. Look at, look at the Giants. Look at the Giants' offensive numbers. All these years, even after Ben McAdoo, they were amongst the league's worst. No, I'm not saying that he was worse than what Shermer was, but I'm saying he still wasn't a good head coach, and he still wasn't. Nobody said that he was good, but you can't say that he was bad. So if he's so, what is he? Mediocre. He's mediocre. If you put if you put Eli Manning right in the right system right now, he can still play. I I I agree, and I think Eli Manning, even though he's retiring now, I believe if if there's a major injury from a team or an organization. I could see a team reaching out to Eli Manning and asking him to come back. I could Possibly. see it. I could see it. And I, I'll tell you this right now. The only reason why Eli Manning is not is retiring right now is because his family, and he's lived here his whole life in New Jersey, and he doesn't want to move his family. That's the only reason why he is not coming back next year for another organization. If the Jets or Buffalo Bills reach out to him to be a backup quarterback, I think Eli Manning will absolutely play. Absolutely. But I don't think the Jets are going to do that. I don't, I don't think he wants to be a backup. I think he wants to start. Well, again, I understand that, and and but I mean, as a player, you know, when you get to that age, it's hard for you to you know tell yourself, oh, you know, uh, I'm done, you know, it's over. But yeah, you still have that urge, but you think you could still do it, and you can still play. But you, you know, know, he doesn't want to. Mike, why don't you stay on? We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll get more into the Eli Manning situation, and we are going to get into the whole Astros. And and really, does this affect baseball for the future? When we come back here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
What the hell is this, sweetie? This is putting on the Ritz. This was the song in Young Frankenstein. Oh my god. Speedy, you all lost. I swear, man. You picked the weirdest 80s songs. I, I, I've never even heard of this track. I'm a DJ. You never saw Young Frankenstein? Yeah, I've seen it a long, long time ago when I was a kid. Yeah, this was one of the songs he performed. <laughs> Jeez. 1-844-478-3272 is the number. That's Speedy Petey working the music. He wouldn't be a good DJ, ladies and gentlemen. That's for sure. That's why I'm not one. <laughs> there you go. As you know, you can follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You can search us on all the outlets. All you got to do is go to our website, and you can find us on all the outlets and check out our shows. If you miss the shows live, you can listen to the replays of the show. Do we still have Mike, a.k.a. The Beave, online? Yes, I am still here, my friend. Are you listening to this garbage music that Speedy plays? I don't, I don't, I don't know what the hell he's doing. It's crazy. Mm. You know, well, I saw Speedy. Young Frankenstein, Mike. What's that? You never saw Young Frankenstein? No. Oh. That's, a, a, that's an old movie. It's a, it's never a, watched one it. of the classic know, Mel Brooks comedies. I, I just never watched it, no. It's really about a guy, is a musician, and it's weird. It was beer and stuff like that. That was an old movie. Well, yeah. He tries to create, he's a scientist. He tries to create a, a monster, and he succeeded. It's a real but it's, but weird. But it's funny, too. It's a real weird movie. But it's, it's funny. I didn't like it at first, but I watched it the second time, and it was funny. Yeah. Anyways, uh, to finish up with Eli Manning, is he one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? I would say no. If you were to put him in the top 30 quarterbacks of all time, I would put Eli Manning over there about 23, 22. I, I think Eli Manning is right there. I mean, his numbers show that he is. And it, being that he's 20, 22, 23, he's a Hall of Famer. I believe he's a Hall of Famer. Now, does yeah, that mean – I'm sorry? You take those two Super Bowl words and you thought he's on a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I would have to keep him there. I would, them. yeah, I would say that if if he didn't win those two Super Bowl rings, I would say he's not a Hall of Famer. But that's me. Yeah, Other people would say he doesn't have the MVPs, and then he doesn't have all the others. Well, that doesn't matter because if you look at Tom Brady, how many MVPs does he have? Like three. No, no, but he has six rings also. So. Yeah, he has six rings because of the team and the coach, not just him. It you, it's not uh, one player. It's not one player that wins these Super Bowls, as you know. Right, but the Patriots are going to have other Hall of Famers, too. It's oh, absolutely. Not- and, I, and so are the Giants. The Giants have Hall of Famers. Justin Tuck is a borderline Hall of Famer. Michael Strahan yep. was a Hall of Famer. Right. right. Yep. O'Hara is, I think, a Hall of Famer eventually. I think he's going to get in the he Hall of be, Fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, have a great, they had a great offensive line. They did. They had a good defense also. Yes, they did. Not a great defense, a good defense. They had some good defensive players. I wouldn't say in the years that they won the Super Bowl they had Hall of Fame defensive players. They didn't have that. No, it was really, I think, Strahan and Tuck were probably it for the Hall of Fame caliber defensive mm-hmm. players. The 2011 defense was a lot of scrap heap players. that They were either young or they were backups because there was a lot of injuries they had in the beginning of the season. They had guys that broke through and played well, but none of them were Hall of Fame caliber. I think Tuck and, and Strahan were really the only ones that are going to be Hall of Fame bound. Strahan for sure. I think he's already in. And then Tuck is, like Errol said, a borderline guy. Tuck is a borderline Hall of Famer. I think he'll get in because he's very liked about around the league and the press likes him. He works very, very good with the press. He interviews very, very well. He doesn't shake anybody. I mean, every time I met Justin Tuck, he interviewed with everybody. So 
that how, that bodes well for him when they're voting for him. I mean, his numbers are right there. They're Hall of Fame numbers. Now it, he interviewed with everybody. It's just a matter of if everyone pushes the record button. <laughs> Well, that's, well, that's somebody's fault. Uh-huh. I don't really want to get into his name. But I'm looking at I'm, – I'm trying to get Justin Tuck's numbers. But if you look at Justin Tuck's numbers, um, Justin Tuck in his career – 66 Tuck, and a half sacks in his career, uh, 24 fumbles, 354 solo tackles. Borderline. Yeah, I mean, it's borderline. Usually you need 100 sacks to get into the uh, Hall of Fame, but mm-hmm. – Even 80, I think, you could get in. It's it's going to be harder than anything below that. Yeah, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, but Justin Tuck won those two Super Bowls, and he was a big part of that giant organization. I thought he should have been MVP in the second one. Yes, I did too. He had two sacks in that game. He also had the – he actually had the quarterback hit on the intentional grounding that forced the safety to open up the second quarter. Yep. But I, I want to get into this Houston Astros situation. I, and we all talk about it. Everybody on the network has talked about Houston and, and really the mockery that really has come out from this whole incident of cheating. Now, I thought it was just the camera, but now we, we find out that they had buttons under their jerseys and that was pretty much telling them what to swing at and what not to swing at. And... I, I wanted to get into this conversation because I believe that this particular story is going to hurt baseball in the long run. Because we all know that every, in every single sport, a team's trying to get an edge. They all of them. All, every, every single sport in basketball, baseball, hockey, football, tennis, golf, everybody's trying to get an edge. Steroids. Um, amphetamines, human growth hormones, corking bats. <laughs> you know, we, we've heard it all. Pine tar. Pine tar. Spitting oh, on yeah. the ball. That one hasn't been done in a while. <laughs> we've, we've heard this for years in professional sports. Everybody's trying to find an edge. But this particular story, this has been going on forever. It's not just the Houston Astros. I'm not talking about they, they went on to a whole nother. They went to a whole nother theory right. by sticking sticking buttons under their jerseys. I mean, nobody has ever done that. They were banging on pails and garbage pails or whatever they were doing. Nobody would have thought that it was this bad, and that's why Hinge got fired. That's why. Alex Cora got fired after winning a World Series two years ago, a year and a half ago. That's why Beltran didn't even start his career as a med- manager, which I think it was, to, to me, the Mets should have never fired him. But you see the league and how it's transitioning. And we talk about that with football and the quarterback position. And everybody's trying to find an edge. What's next? And that's why I think... When you look at this particular story, now the, now the MLB is going to look at so many different aspects of the game. And they're going to start to nitpick teams and, and, and what they do on the bench with their iPads that they use mm-hmm. and their phones. It's going to be some kind of airport security-like thing. You're, you're, 
people are going to just investigate. They're going to have a position just for that. And I think it's going to scanning hurt. everything in the dugout. I think it's going to hurt baseball. I really do. All because of this incident. And you want to know something? The fact that the Houston it's already hurt baseball. Well, I, I don't think it's hurt it yet. I, I don't know what it's going to do because it really doesn't. Because who, what did they do? They fired Hinge. They fired the the GM. They fired Core and they fired Beltran. Yeah, but it pisses a lot of the fans off, and you know, it just, well, of course, you know, it pisses the Yankee, Yankee fans, fans off. off and Dodgers. Yeah, it, picks, it pisses the Yankee fans off. It, uh, it doesn't yeah, even it piss does. the Dodgers it, off. It, I haven't heard. I haven't heard a Dodger fan one time so far. I have a bunch of Dodger fans that ever said or ever cared that they were cheating. I have not heard it. I've heard it more from Yankee fans than any Dodger fan that I know. Well, yeah, yeah Yankee, but I, I've Yankee heard fans more, are heard more, more passionate. passionate. <laughs> Makes sense. You know, I met fans, the fans of baseball, and they discussed it with it. So it's. I think when you look you at know. this story, it's going to affect baseball in the long run, because now the the commissioner is going to look at every single thing that a team does on the bench and off the bench. And I think if there's any edge that these teams try to get, and, and we all know every team tries to find one, they're not going to be able to do it anymore. Because now the commissioner is going to look at everything and try to change the rules where it doesn't benefit the team or the home team. You know how everybody says in all sports, the, two, the home team has the benefit. You know, the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Because they're the home team. Well, the home field advantage, I guess. Well, look at it. It only. Not only that, it's the structure of the ballparks for the hockey. It only happened. They only cheated in Houston. They only cheated in Houston because they had the cameras all set up. No, in the Houston bullpens. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they didn't do it in Yankee Stadium. Well, that's why they, that's why their numbers weren't so good when they were right. on the road. It was really drastic the home road splits. I looked it up yesterday, especially for Altuve. It was, the batting average was over three hundred points of a difference home and road in that postseason. So I, again, and I, I do believe Altuve is going to now that uh, that the baseball is looked at this. Altuve is not going to be the dominant player we saw all these years. He won the MVP. Aaron Judge should have won the MVP that year. Aaron Judge should be mad that he didn't win the MVP that year now. Because he should have won. He won Rookie of the Year, but he should have won the MVP. Altuve, they gave it to Altuve. Now, I know baseball, and I, 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 by the way, Scott Boris came out today and said that none of the players should be reprimanded on the Houston Astros. And the reason why he says that... Well, the reason why he, the reason why Scott Boris said that, he said, he said that because the management is the one that should be blamed for it, for this, because they're the ones that planned this. They're the ones that gave the players there was front office, the switches. Front office influence too, right? But they're, yeah. But again, they still have to find hard evidence of if they were actually the leader of that kind of operation. If they're a beneficiary, maybe yeah, maybe they'll get fined or something like that. They might no, get maybe not, two, three games. Wrong, but I'm not doing it, and I'm, and I'm going to go higher up to get it solved. So right, I but I mean, what what I'm we know saying. is the hard evidence is right now with like Errol said, the ownership and GM and manager were the were the ones that planned it. Is it possible a player could have planned it or a group of players possibly? But 
who has more money? The ownership has more money, so they have more likelihood to fund all the cameras, all the microphones, the buzzers that were used in that whole process, too. Now, could there have been players involved? Sure. I think the players could get suspended within the season once they find more evidence, and I think some of them will. Altuve very likely... So, so, the, won- owners, so, the, owners, so the owners knew they were doing I think so. There was evidence found of, so, okay. of messages so sent and uh, email and something like that in the front office the to that camera knew, guy. If the owners knew you were doing that, strip the owners of the team. They don't own the I'm team surprised that. that didn't happen, but I guess they're looking for the actual proof of which guy did it. Because they know that didn't happen. All, the, all they know is they have some proof of it right now. They don't have proof of who yet, though. I think the owner knew that they were doing it, and he could they deny it. He could he could deny it all he wants. I think he knew about it. How could he not know about it? I mean, he hired this GM. He hired this coach. He hired this whole this whole management team. So, and this is something that's very sophisticatedly planned. Yes. Too. So how how would he not know in his own ballpark? They don't have cameras in the bullpen, and Where they the didn't specific know spots are for the best spot for the cameras. And how too. and how would he not know that they weren't wearing like uh, what are the, what do they call them switches? Under their jersey. I, yeah, switches. They call it switches. So if you can't honestly tell me that he didn't know this. Okay, well, then if he knew about it, then you know what? The MLB should strip him of the team. Well, they're finding out if it was exactly him or one of the executives in the front office. So, That's so what they're right, not so sure so about yet in terms of who sent the messages. Because you know, that the owner knew about it, then what does MLB say? Well, you, you can know about it and still – not be a primary force of it. He could have tried to stop it and maybe got no, threatened. We don't know. Don't what's the punishment? We don't know. It depends on what he, how involved he was. What's your opinion? I'm asking you your opinion. What I think will happen is, is I think somebody else will get fired. I think he'll keep his job, but I don't think MLB is going to reprimand him. I, if the, he might do something, but if he admits to it, but I don't think MLB will do anything. I think some, one of the executives will end up getting fired, if anything. Well, if it is front office, which I do think is very possible based on the evidence that has been known. Well, to me, if, if the owner, if whatever, they find out that the owner did it, then that will be taken away from him. Oh, I agree, but I'm just saying. I, I don't think, I think they should take, the, I, I don't think, think they, the they, they can't take the team away from him. He has to sell it. That, that's really what it is. You cannot take a team. All right, so then, right, so then, then force him to send him out of baseball then. Something. Well, you need someone else to buy the team, though, too. Well, that, well, there'll be a lot of teams lining up for that that franchise, but especially with the of talent course. they have on that franchise. But but they got to do some kind of punishment if the owner knew about it. Of course, we're not denying that. I'm just saying that's I do, the most likely scenario. Well, I do think you're going to see numbers completely Plymouth from from these teams. Absolutely, I, I Plymouth, whatever the word is. But I, I think you're going to see the difference of numbers of some of these players. I don't think I think the best player on the team is George Springer. I do, and I've been saying yeah, that for a I long, long time. I think, he's, I think he's a natural player. I, I, well, he cheated, too. I, I don't care. He, he's, he's, he a part. he's a part of this, too. But I, I, do believe, I do believe George Springer is the best player on that team. I like Correa, but I think Correa is not going to be a part of that organization because he's going to want a ton of money. Yeah, he's been kind of down the last two years, too. So. I still like him. He's, uh, no, he's still a good player. I would he, take he him. I'd take him on the Yankees right now. No, I'm just saying he's not. I put him at third base. He's, he's a great defensive top, player. He's not that top three shortstop that we thought of him when he came up, too. No, because he's injury prone. Right. He's but, too busy marrying US, uh, USA models and stuff like that. I mean, I think he just married uh, Miss USA or something like that. So, I, I, listen, I, I, I'm not saying that 
these guys aren't going to be successful now that they got caught cheating. I just think no, they're not going to be as good. Yes, that's fine. And you're going to see their numbers drop. I can guarantee it. Well, their division stinks. So they're in a division that's, besides the Angels in their division, I don't think Seattle's much of a team. I don't no, think Seattle's bad. They're, the other three teams are kind of like they could be good, but you don't know. It's They're kind of mystery. They're all average with potential. Oakland was good the last two years, and they've been well run. But who knows with them because they're a small market. The Angels could be better with Madden and now, Rendon, You know, that makes – what's his name again from the Oakland the Oakland um, A's? So Such a good GM. or Not even a GM, vice president Billy Bean, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Billy Bean. You could say whatever you want about Billy Bean. Go look at Billy Bean's numbers with an organization that doesn't spend money. Believe in the money ball, you know, mm-hmm. player. I mean, on-base percentage is very, very important. And you don't have to hit for average. You just got to hit – really walk. That's what you – the yeah, more people – the more us. people the more people on base, the more, more runs you're going to be able to score. And I think Billy, Bean's, Billy Bean has mastered the way you build a team, an organization. Tampa has copied him. Go look at what Tampa Bay is. Everybody talks about how great their manager is. Let Go past the managers because every single manager that's taken over that organization has done well. Every one of them. Joe Madden, he went somewhere else. He won a World Series. I mean, look at that organization. It's run just like Billy Bean, a small market organization. They trade away their stars and they – they trade away a star to bring in two or three really good players, and right. they become stars. Right. That's exactly what the A's do. Go look at the past 12 years. I would say the only— Johnny thing. Damon. He went to the, the Red Sox, won a World Series. He was a good player. Jason Giambi. Yes, he cheated. Yes, he did steroids. He did very well with the A's. He went to the Yankees, never won a World Series. All these players, look at the players that they've had. Tejada. Tahada was there. He was a shortstop, MVP, did steroids too. He winded up trade. He wanted to get tra- he winded up getting traded when they didn't need him anymore. And they brought in prospects from him. This is the wave of the future. And that's the transition of the game. Even the Yankees, slowly but surely, are doing that too. Go look. Well, th- this is the first guy the Yankees bought in how long? They haven't bought a player like this since Alex Rodriguez. Don't tell me with John Carlos Stanton. John Carlos Stanton was a trade. He was practically handed to the Yankees because he only wanted to play with two teams and he had a no-trade clause. Yeah, but, they, they, right. but then they, they took on his contract. Though. Yes, but they didn't, right, they didn't but, offer him. They didn't give him the contract. Right, the Marlins gave no, him the contract. Stanton, yeah, Stanton's no, I know, market. I know what you're saying, but they still got to, but they still got to pay. So. Right, yes. but Stanton's market was still very small where he was only going to go there, the Dodgers, or the Cubs. No, he said no, I, I, it was I, I, narrowed I, I, down I, I, to the Dodgers and the Yankees. That's it. He didn't yeah, want to go to the Cubs. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't even hear yeah. that either. It was narrowed down to two teams, the Dodgers and the Yankees. And the Dodgers didn't need him. They didn't want him. So well, just, he was right, practically well, hand-fed. The Dodgers were right on the cusp of the luxury tax. He was hand-fed to the Yankees because Castro's no longer a Marlin. And, anyone, and the other two guys, the other two prospects that they gave up their number seven pick, uh, the never, number seven prospect, I, I, he hasn't even made the ball team. He hasn't made the, the big league team yet. So none of those guys are going to amount to anything. And the Yankees got an MVP and one of the best, still one of the top ten players in the league. 
And nobody's going to argue that. If John Carlos Stanton plays 162 games, he's going to hit close to 50 home runs. He's going to. Because he's one of the best power hitters in baseball. Well, yeah, if he stays healthy, yes. Well, that's what I said. I, I, again, I'm going to say it. John Carlos Stanton will be healthy this year, and he's going to have a very good season. Well, you don't know what's going to happen during the season. I'm telling you right, now, right now, I'm telling you right now, John Carlos Stanton will be, he will play a, between 140 and 145 games this year. Yes, I do. Because I think the Yankees are going to use him as a DH, and they're going to move him around in the outfield. That's what they're going to do. They're going to try to keep him healthy. Because when he's in the lineup, when he's in the lineup, the lineup is even more deadly in the middle of that lineup. But you, you, you I'm, I, that's not the argument right, it's here. It's easier said than done. <laughs> yes, it's not the argument that I'm having right now. I'm no, saying I, that the I Yankees know. didn't pay John Carlos they're paying no, him his contract. They didn't buy John Carlos Stanton. They didn't bring him to the organization. They were hand-fedded. They, they hand-fedded him. The Yankees were given John Carlos Stanton. That's the difference here. And at that value, what are you, you going to say? No, we don't want him. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's not like they were giving up Glaber Torres and Andujar for, for Stanton. And they didn't want to trade away their big prospects. That could go they traded down. away Starlin Castro and... A, like that, I, I think one B level prospect and like a a single A prospect. That's gonna be that's gonna be one of the it's just, that's gonna go down as one of the worst trades in Major League history, because John Carlos Stanton's gonna be he's thirty years old this year, he's got at least four or five good years left. The guy's an all around power hitter. The guy's look at the physical shape that guy's in. That guy is, is in good a shape as any player in the league. The guy just can't stay healthy. If he's in the lineup, he's his. Powerful as any power hitter in baseball. Tell me a power. Tell me a power. Tell me a power hitter that's better than him. You can't. You can't because there really is none. Even even Aaron Judge. Mike Trout. Mike Trout's a better player. Better player, not a better power hitter. I think Errol's talking about the distance of the home runs, like how hard he hits them out, or distance wise. Power hitter. Anything like that. Looking at raw power, who can launch it the furthest? Yes, but in terms of the average length of home runs and his strength as a whole, Stanton's a stronger player and generally hits longer and harder hit home runs. Trout is a better all around player. No He's question. The best player in baseball by far. Not and, even uh, close. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I was just saying that Trout's a power hitter. Yeah, he's a power hitter. He's not a power hitter right. like John Carlos Stanton. In the sense of raw power, Mike Trout is top five, but I would say Stanton is more powerful if you're judging just power. Trout is better than him in probably every other aspect. It's just, and I'm not even arguing that, and I don't want to really get it too, too, too deep into this conversation because it really doesn't matter. We were talking about the Astros, and then we bring in Giancarlo Stanton somehow. Okay? Well, I uh, what I'm saying is the Yankees don't buy players anymore. It's well, changing. I just I just said for the first time <laughs> since in a, and since A Rod, they bought a player. They haven't done it for years. They don't yeah, do that sorry. anymore. They don't do it. Teams don't do that anymore. The teams that have done it, Philadelphia, did they win a World Series? No. Nope. San Diego, did they did it, did they win a World Series? No. Nope. Every one of these teams that bring in high priced players never win. Now the Yankees are very talented. Are the Yankees the favorites of winning? Absolutely. Does that mean they're going to win? No, it doesn't. It so doesn't the mean. Also have a really great farm system also. So. Yeah, the Yankees have a good farm system. Not great anymore because a lot of their farm hands are up now. 
Glaber Torres. Clint Frazier will be up there this year. I mean, they, they, um, Andahar, all their farm, their big time farm hands are up now. I mean, they do have some players yeah, but, in the but farm system. Good and then they'll, they'll rebuild it. I mean, obviously they have the kid Garcia, who who a lot of people think could be one of the, the best young, talented pitchers right now in the minor leagues. The Yankees said he was untouchable, and they're not going to move him. And as you could see in the offseason, even if they didn't get Garrett, uh, Garrett Cole, I don't think they were going to trade Garcia for a pitcher. No way, no how. I think they, they believe that this kid could be a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. And it, being that he's only 18 years old, 19 years old, I mean... They can keep him in the minors for another two years and let him work on some of the things because he's got like five, six pitches. Which is impressive. For it really pitcher. is. The only problem with him, what I've been hearing about this kid, is he's five foot ten. He's a small pitcher and he throws hard. So they're worried that he's gonna because of like he has the Lincoln something, Lincoln some Lincoln something. What everybody knows about Lincoln some from um, the San Francisco uh, Giants. Giants. Over the years, they said he was too small and this, and he's going to throw out his, his release pattern. It doesn't, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't last in the major leagues. He was one of the most dominant pitchers in five years. I think he won like two won Cy two Youngs. Cy Youngs yeah. Two Cy Youngs in five years, and he still was probably the best pitcher in baseball for four. Right. The problem is when his velocity steamed out, he just couldn't pitch anymore. And that's what they're worried about with Garcia. But Garcia is not a power pitcher. He's right. Not... If Garcia has five pitches, though, I, I would trust him more to adjust if his velocity does steam out maybe after Well, his best years. pitch is his changeup. That's what they well, said. That's a good sign, then, for something yes. like that, then. And he's been working – I know he's been working with um, Pedro Martinez in the offseason. So, another Dominican. So, I, I look at – I look at the Yankees. They're transitioning. Even the Mets. Look at the Mets. They're not buying players. They don't have the money. <laughs> so what do they do? They build no, around their farm system. They don't have a farm system either, but that's fine. Well, they, do have, they did have a farm system. They brought McNeil up, Nemo, Panda. All these guys are part of their farm system. They, they, yeah, they have... They don't, they're not, like, really good players. Like, Nemo was, like, yeah. Well, Nemo uh, was a first-round pick. Lonzo's not, Lonzo's not a great player? No, Alonzo is, yes, but not Nimmo. How, how about McNeil? Is he a good player? Yes. DeGrom, is he a good player? Is DeGrom a good player? DeGrom, yeah. Is Noah Syndergaard a good player? He was. I don't know. Noah Syndergaard's a good now. player. He's a good player. They didn't he draft him, but he, well, he, they, he never played in the major leagues until he came to the, the Mets. He's, he's, not, he's not what he was when he first came up. Let's just put it that way. What I'm trying to say... And I'm, what I'm trying to okay. say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not arguing what you're saying. Most of the players on that start, in that starting lineup are players from their farm system. So they're doing the same thing that all the other big major league teams are doing. They're building around the yeah, farm hands. And it's going to hurt baseball because when the CBA comes out in another year, in 2021... I think you're never going to see a pitcher that's going to make $324 million again. I guarantee you Garrett Cole will be the only pitcher in Major League history that will ever make over $300 million ever again. I'm telling you. Garrett Cole got the most money. Of course, it came from the Yankees. So, oh, look, you, you, paid, you paid a pitcher $324 million, which is more than any pitcher in baseball history 
that, that's made that kind of money. Yes, the Yankees, but that's the same guy that the Yankees drafted in 2008. They drafted Garrett Cole in the first round. That was Brian Cashman's guy. He decided to go back to college and play for UCLA because he didn't want to go and play right away with the New York Yankees. And then he went back into the draft, and he was drafted by Pittsburgh in the first round. And you saw what he was. The Yankees tried to go after him when he was, when he was getting traded, and then Houston made the better trade. And now the Yankees, you know, they, they wooed him with money. But he was a Yankee. The Yankees drafted him. And that's why a lot of people said there was no, no doubt about it that Garrett Cole was going to be a Yankee because that's what Brian Cashman wanted. And do, do I think he was the best pitcher available in the offseason? I guess you could say as far as what you saw during the regular season, he was. But Steven Strasburg, to me, what he did in the playoffs, that's the guy I would have paid. I would have oh, paid yeah. Steven Strasburg. If you're going to pay somebody for a big game, go look at Garrett Cole's numbers in the playoffs and go look at his numbers in the regular season. It's almost one earned run more in the playoffs. That's a lot. That is a lot. And what he did in the, in the, in the uh, World Series, he didn't play well. And the Yankees gave him $324 million. And the guy that did play well in the World Series is the guy that's still with the Nationals and got almost $100 million less. So the Yankees introduced uh, the, the, the Yankees actually interviewed Steven Strasburg, but they wanted Garrett Cole. And they paid him a lot more than a lot of teams offered him because he didn't want to be a Yankee because he doesn't want to deal with the pressure. There are certain players that can deal with the pressure in baseball, and I don't think Garrett Cole is one of those guys. And that worries me, and I think that was a very bad contract for the Yankees, and I think it's going to bite him in the butt. If he doesn't win, if he doesn't win at least two World Series in nine years, it was a bust because you're paying this guy a lot of money, a lot, $38 million for, to pitch every fifth day. You've got to pay Tanaka next year. You've got to pay Paxton next year. You're going to have to pay Aaron Judge soon. You're going to have to pick Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres. You're going to pay all these guys. They do. Where there's a will, there's a way. Because if you look at it, um, Aaron Judge is still under contract for another two years. Sanchez is up after next year, after this year. So they're going to have to pay Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is a catcher. The highest paid catcher in the major leagues is making what? $110 million? Yeah, I think that's Real Muto. Yeah. So, so what do you pay Gary? $115? $116? So you're not going to have to pay Gary Sanchez $200 million. He's a catcher. You wait another year, then you've got to pay Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is going to want $250, $260 million. Could they afford it? Yes, they can. Well, you're going to ask me how. Well, there's a lot of pitchers that are not going to be in that lineup in a couple of years. Paxton's not going to get $200 million. He's not a $200 million pitcher. Paxton's going to get 140. If he pitches well again this year, he's going to get $135, $140 million. He's not getting a $200 million contract because he's not an elite pitcher. He was an elite pitcher the second half of the season. But again, when he went into the playoffs, he wasn't the same pitcher. 
So Never I mean, Yasmani Grandal actually has the highest what was that? new contract. He's getting eighteen million this year. So actually, he has the new catcher contract. Posey and, uh, and uh, Molina were still getting more. I think they're on the last years of theirs, though. They're getting twenty-two and twenty. So that's about where it is. But they're kind of an exception to the market where most of the top-paid catchers are in the teens. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting, and you can argue these points forever. But again. Gary Sanchez is not going to get a lot of money. He's not going to get the money that everybody thinks he's going to get. Oh, Gary Sanchez is going to get $175, $200 million. He's not getting that kind of money. He's not. So nobody can argue that. He's not getting that kind of money. But the Yankees are going to have to pay these guys. And that's that's going to be the question, how the Yankees are going to maneuver that. I I think they're going to pay Gary. I think they're going to pay Glaber Torres. And I think they're going to pay Aaron Judge. I don't know about the other guys. I don't think I think Tanaka will take a discount to come back to the Yankees because I think he likes it in New York, and I think his wife likes it in New York. So I think Tanaka will take less. I don't know if Paxton's going to take less money. I think Paxton's going to want 130, 135 million. I don't know if the Yankees are going to give him that kind of money. Oh, well, depends on depends on when he when he come off the books next year. Yeah. Oh well, it depends on how he pitches this year. So he pitches for a contract. I still yeah. don't think the Yankees are going to bring him back because I think no, the Yankees. No. Because they just gave Garrett Cole a lot of money. And they got to maneuver that, those contracts. I do believe the Yankees will go over the salary cap now. I do. The luxury tax. Because they, did, they were under it for three or four years. So now I think they're willing to open up their pockets. We're not going to go to a break. What is the other subjects we're going to get into right you now? You said you wanted to get into Zion's debut. You could stay, on, you could stay on, Mike, if you want. It was, does it change anything? Does Zion Williamson's return and how he played change anything with the Rookie of the Year perception? And that's a good question. And I, I saw what Zion Williamson did the other day. He scored 20 points in, in the fourth quarter. They were, I think they, they lost by three or four points. Yeah, I think they lost 121-117. What did he play, 17 minutes? He played 18 minutes, and he played mostly in the second half. And you want me to tell you something? Do I think Zion Williamson is going to be a great player in the league? I absolutely believe he is. I said he was, and I'm going to say it again. He is the best player in that draft. Well, right now I think he needs to shed a little weight because I think he's a little too heavy right now. I don't now. think it makes a difference. He I might have to shed so. some, but it's uh, – I don't think it makes still, a difference. He's still fast I'm for his saying, size, I'm though. I'm not saying much, but a little bit. That yeah, guy, a little bit. That's that guy fair. is an that's athletic fair. beast, and I, he's not fat at all. He has not one piece of fat on that guy's body. He's all muscle. He's got big legs. He's, 280, he's 285, I think. Yeah, right? he's 285, but you, you ever see the guy's legs? They're like tree trunks. They're not fat. Yeah, They're I muscular. Know. I know. They're muscular. That's why his knees, he, he, jumps, he jumps very, very high. He should be in the slam dunk contest. I think he needs to get into the slam dunk contest. John Moran oh, already. Be, that, that'd be the oh, highest rated slam dunk it. contest. In John, a while, Moran, if John Moran already said he's not going to be in the slam dunk contest. I'm surprised about that. Uh, no, maybe next year he will not. No, he said that he's not. He does not want to be in the slam. Ever since LeBron really didn't want to do it, you're not seeing a lot of big names do it anymore. So, do do I think the player of Zion Williamson's cali- caliber is is he going to change basketball? I do. I think because you look at it, you look at the the transition of the game, and you really do. You went from Jordan to Kobe, to LeBron, to Zion. These are the four biggest profile players in the last 25 years. 
And I, I'm not even a Kobe Bryant fan, but he was a highly profile player. He was, he, was, he was the face of basketball for like five, six, seven years after Jordan. Then LeBron came into the, the, the loom. And obviously, LeBron, when Jordan retired, I think Jordan retired in 2000. I think it was 2000. No, I think it was a little later. I think it was 03 or something like that. Or whatever. But I'm talking, his dominance was 96. So really, right. the other times that he was, he was playing for the Wizards, I'm not even going to count that. So Jordan's retirement was really 96, 97. Okay. Okay. He came back to help the Wizards out and the Bullets out because... Right. And he still had a couple amazing games, too. Yeah, but he was only averaging 20 points. So I'm not even going to put Michael yeah, Jordan... I know. All right there. Yeah, so, I think he left the Bulls in 2000. So, so it was like 96. 96. Then you had Kobe Bryant from 98 to 2004, 2005, where he was the biggest profiled star. He, had, he was playing with Shaquille O'Neal, but he was the profile star in the NBA. And there was Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan was a quiet guy. And there was Kevin Garnett. He was a big, loud mouth guy, but he was a different style of player. And then there was Paul Pierce and all the different guys that were in the league. Then LeBron James came in a league in 2004 and really transitioned the game in, in, in 2006, 2007, 2008, and really throughout, now, you know, throughout the league till now. And now you got a guy like Zion Williamson who is the biggest superstar in basketball. He is. Go... Go look at the numbers the other night when he came in in the second half. Go look at how the, the numbers transitioned. He scored 17 consecutive points. He had four threes, which was supposed to be a big weakness for him. I mean, granted, they were all open, but still, a lot of people didn't think he could even shoot them at all, and he made four of them. And I think he, hit, he was 8 for 11 shooting at, as a whole. And they're saying that this draft is very, very weak. Now, usually well, it was top heavy. Well, usually they're saying usually when they say the draft is very very weak, it's going to be very very good. It every, it always happens with the NBA. Oh, this is a weak draft. This is a terrible draft. And then when they say it's a great draft like when Alonzo where, where uh Alonzo Ball came in and and uh, I knew that draft wasn't going to be as good as people but thought. But people thought that I, I, that was going to be a top draft. That and I it, saw coming. And uh. it became a bust draft. There was like one good player, that, one great player that came out of that draft. One great player. Donovan Mitchell. That's yeah. it. Right. One great player that came out of that I draft. I still think there's some potential with some of them, too. Yes, I, there was potential, but I'm talking about right, incident superstars. Impact. Incident impact, yeah. Superstars. There was one player that came out as a superstar in that draft. Funny thing, I wasn't even that high on Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> they said that this. The the they said player. that this draft is the weakest draft. This past draft was a weak draft, and now you have John Morant, Williamson, R.J. Barrett, that other kid from Miami, Tyler Hero. I mean, you got four guys that could be superstars in the league. Four of them. And there could be more. They said that this draft was a weak draft. It wasn't. They said that Zion Williamson was never going to amount anything into the NBA because of his size. Kobe White's a nice job for the Bulls, too. Wrong again. They said R.J. Barrett, he's a good player, but he, he, doesn't, fit, he doesn't fit the culture in New York. That was wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. The Knicks haven't had a culture. But I'm just saying, he doesn't fit the culture, the New York product. No, I know that. I'm just the saying. Super, the superstar, the dunker, the guy that, uh, you know, the bright light guy, like the Carmelo Anthony's, the Patrick Ewan's. They never said that he was going to be that type of player. Wasn't R.J. Barrett a higher college recruit than William Zion was? Yes, he was. Yeah. 
But he, he didn't do that. He didn't show that during the season. Zion Williamson was the big superstar. Well, of course. Do. Even though their numbers are almost identical. Yeah, I think Zion was only, I think, 0.4 points per game more at Duke. The thing is, I think, again, if Barrett had his own team, maybe he could have shined a little more in terms of an individual standpoint and didn't have to maybe do everything. But he was the primary ball handler. He was the primary three-point shooter. He was a lot of things. The only thing he really had issues with at Duke was free throw shooting and turnovers, but that was it. But I think that when you look at the whole picture, that's going to be a really good draft. And now this year's draft, everybody says – well, this draft is really, really bad. It really, really bad. 2021 is going to be a much better draft. You're already looking at 2021 when these guys are not even out of high school. They haven't even played college basketball. I'm going to tell you right now, that kid, uh, Lamelo Ball, that kid's going to you love him. That yeah. kid's going to be a star in this league. I don't know where he's going to go. I have no idea where he's going to go. And I know a lot of teams are going to look at him because of his father and say, uh, I don't know how I'm going to have to deal with him. But I think he's worth every bit of a chance to take on a guy like LaMelo Ball because he's playing against men. He's, he was 16 years old when he became a professional in Lithuania. He's playing against ex-NBA players, right. and he's dominating against them. He's averaging almost 30 points a game, and he has, he's still not developed. He's, his, his body's starting to develop into an NBA style of body, but this kid's still not fully developed. Could you imagine what this kid's going to be when he becomes the – this guy is one of the best shooters I've seen since Steph Curry. That's how good of a shooter this guy is. What's he averaging right now? I think he's averaging 30-something points, and I think his three-point – he's averaging almost 50% of three, at the, at the three-point line. I think it's like 46 or 47%. That's what Steph is averaging right now. Yeah, he's playing in Australia right now. He is averaging – 37.5% from three, 17 points a game, 6.8 assists. I thought he was scoring more points. No, it's this season. 17 points a game, 6.8 assists, 7.6 rebounds per game. He's shooting 72.3% free throw, which is – that's okay. That's not that's that's okay. A good. That's okay. Not for a guy his size. 37.5% from three. That's, I think, the big one. And then 45.8 from two, so it's about a 42 overall field goal. It's interesting. So he still shoots a lot, but you don't, he does you don't, shoot you don't well from three. Zion being that big of a player, he's not going to be injured. You're not worried about that? Uh, it's possible, just because it's a very weird body type. Who cares? But, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. Zion Williams, li- listen, and, and, and I, I, I want everybody to understand this. Zion Williamson has played one NBA game. and he no, sco- He played one NBA game, and he, he scored 20 points in that game. With seven, only in 17 minutes, 18 minutes. He barely played the whole game. Could you imagine if he played the first half? He would have scored about 30 points in that game. Zion Williams, I'm not worried about his body because the NBA has the best trainers. They have the best. These guys, he will go on a diet. These, these trainers are going to build his body. He's built like an ox. I'm telling you right now. He takes off his shirt. He's got a six-pack. This guy doesn't have one piece of fat on his body. He has big legs. He's a, he's a muscular guy. He's six foot eight. I'm telling you right now. Now, what worries me is not his legs. It's not his, his weight. It's his knees because he jumps a lot. He, he's a super fly type of guy. He likes to do these crazy dunks and all that other stuff. Yeah, that would worry me as an NBA, uh, as an NBA executive. But 
the other stuff that we talk about, about him, the kid's going to figure out how to play in the NBA. He's going to realize that he doesn't have to jam the ball all the time to score points because nobody plays defense in the NBA. I don't think he needs to become a better shooter. I think he is a good shooter. I think the NBA, I think people need, R.J. Barrett's weakness right now is free throws. Do you think, if R.J. Barrett works on his free throws, do you think he could become a good free throw shooter? Sure. I, I do I do too, because if you shoot 500 free throws every single day, you're going to get better. R.J. Barrett is a young kid. He's 20, 20, I think he's 20 years old. So he's still a kid. When he figures how to shoot a free throw, the guy gets fouled every time he goes to the hole. He knows how to draw fouls. That by itself, what is James Harden so good at? (laughs) Drawing fouls. That's what he, he shoots more foul shots. getting away with traveling too, but okay. (laughs) He gets more, he he gets more foul shots than anybody in the NBA. He averages about 14 foul shots every game. If, you score, if you're shooting 14 foul shots, if you hit 10 of them, that's 10 points. Now all you need to do is hit three or four baskets, and you're averaging 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett at will goes to the free throw line. At will. He needs to work on his free throws. I believe he'll get better. Do I believe that Zion Williamson is going to be a better shooter or get, become a better shooter? Absolutely. If he's a superstar talent, he will. Next subject. Um, hold on. Uh uh, Mark said he was trying to call. Uh, All right, let's put Mark on. Uh, Beef. So Beef. Beef, we're going to let you go because we have five minutes left of the show. Thanks for calling, my All friend. Right. All right, Mark, you can call in now. Mark, call up, my friends. Let's get Mark on the phone. What's the next subject? I think we went through all of them, but I think you wanted to do more in-depth with the running quarterbacks. Yes. I know you, you touched at it. I, I touch at it because, and listen, guys, I want everybody to understand something. The game all, all sports change. Every 10 years, the game changes. Hockey has changed. The goal, the goal creases, the goal nets, the goalie pads. Everything changes. Basketball. We got him. The basketball, the, the, um, the three-point line changed over the last, last 10 years. I mean, you look at football, all the different rules, all the, the different helmets, and, and now, you're, now, you're kicking, you're not, now you're kicking on the 30-yard line. You know, it, the game's transition. It's different. The game is different. Go ahead. Put Mark on the phone. What's up, Mark? What's up, guys? I know I told you I called, so I just wanted you to get uh, in the last couple of minutes. All right, so what, what, do you, what, what do you need my, my expert analysis on? Your expert analysis? Yeah. Well, I just want to give a shout-out. I, I want to apologize to the fans this week because I've been going through a lot of stuff. I've been going through a lot of stuff uh, with family and different business aspects. So I want to apologize to the fans if, I feel, if you feel that I'm a little abrupt than I usually am. But that's just me. But uh, I've been dealing with a lot of stuff. So if people think that uh, my head's not into it, my head is in this. I'm just, it's all over the place. So I want to apologize to all the fans if you think that I'm, I'm not giving 110%. But... I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, I'll be, I'll be gone next week in Miami uh, for the Super Bowl. But I will be back the week after uh, doing my show. And we have Steve. He's going to fill in for me, and so is Speedy. But what do I want you to do? Well, how about this? We were just talking about Zion. Fill in for you. What happened? 
Steve's filling in for you, huh? That's good. Yeah, Steve's going to fill in for me. If you want to help out, you can help uh, help out and join them. If no, you I, li- I like Steve. I think Steve's good. I think he'll do a great job. I do, too. Now, let me ask you this question. Zion yeah. Williamson. I mean, yeah. his, his ability to do the things that he does on the, field, uh, on the court. Yeah, we talked about this this morning. Do you think his game transitions and changes what the league is going to be in the future? No, I, I think, look, what, what, because, it, look, the big problem I had was if he comes back, they're trying to baby him. Obviously, you know, he's, he's coming back off an injury. But his body weight and what he can do and how high he jumps – uh, the force that he comes down on on the 280-pound body, that's got to change. He's got to lose weight. I know that, that Van Gundy and, J- and Jackson got heat for calling him. Some people said they call him fat. I, I, don't, I never heard that. But, it's, it's, look, the guy's in great shape. It doesn't look like he's out of shape. It doesn't look like he's fat. But he's 280 pounds on 6'8 body yeah. with a 40-something-inch vertical leap. Right. That, that is grounds for disaster when you think of the uh, – you know, when you think of physics – and what the you know the tension is for that hitting the ground, that's what they're trying to get, gauge against. Okay, and there's really no way, no matter how you limit his minutes, that that's going to not be an issue until he loses weight. What they should have done is during this time period, like, like Young Frankenstein, put him into a room, don't let anyone in, no matter what they hear, until he loses like 25 pounds. He's got to get down to 255, 250 in order to. Limit the amount of damage that he's doing to his knees every time that force comes down with that 280-pound body. That, to me, is really the only way he's going to stay healthy and be able to produce in this league. Otherwise, he's always going to be someone who is a jump away from tearing his ACL or tearing uh, some part of a, a major artery on a knee or something that's going to leave him out for a year or so. You saw what happened to, like, Bernard King. Remember how good Bernard King was? Yeah, he, had, I mean, he didn't have the weight problem, but one bad fall, your knee, and you're done. Yeah, but I, I don't I, – I, I, a guy his size, the way he looks, the guy is built like an ox. He has not one piece of fat on – I think they said he has, like, he has like 6% body fat. It's, yeah. not, it's not easy to cut down muscle, and he's not going to cut down to 255, ladies and gentlemen. There is no way a guy his size and the way he, he is built to cut down to that, 255. That it would, that, that but would, it's not going to happen. That would definitely get rid of a lot of the problems. Yeah, but I, I don't think he has a lot of problems. I think for eight or nine, I think for eight or nine years, Mark, I think this guy is going to be the most dominant player in the league. I think you he saw already how he got hurt is because of that force. It's good. It's going to take its toll. He's got. He's got to look, get down to two sixty-five. You know, just don't play. I understand it's a little hard to lose muscle. The, the guy's not out of shape. You know, there is no way that this guy, some sort of, like, out-of-shape person is not taking his, you know, seriously. The guy's a phenomenal athlete, absolutely. I've never seen anything like him in my life. Okay, guy's 6'8", 280, who can jump. He has a 40-something vertical. It's ridiculous, the athleticism he has. However, it's still physics still exists. And when you put that amount of weight coming down that hard on still human knees, that is a lot of pressure to put on your body. So it doesn't matter how, how much we think he can dominate in the game or how athletic he is. That itself is a hard thing to keep asking of your body before it breaks down. Thank you, Mark. I, and that's Mark's analysis. If you don't know who Mark Kelly is, all you have to do is watch him on The Morning Boys with Ryan. Two really, really cool guys. Nice guys. Have a great show in the morning, Mondays and Thursdays. 
They're great guys. Mondays and Thursdays, right? Uh, no, Monday and Thursday, but yeah. That's what I said, Mondays and Thursdays. Okay, I thought you said Monday. Come on, man. Why are you listening to me? <laughs> no, I really don't. I mean, you, you talk so much, it's hard to pay attention, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's you. That's you. Don't I'm always kidding. I love you, brother. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. Mark. Speedy, great work, Speedy. Thanks. Uh, people see people don't realize this. Speedy is what really keeps this place going. He does all the incredible work he's done on YouTube. He does incredible He does incredible work. Speedy doing a great job. He does incredible work, but the problem with Speedy is when I ask him to do something and he picks out a video that Makes no sense to put on a live radio show. He puts it on in the beginning of the show, and you hear screaming and background, and it looks like it was a recording from I a phone. I was trying to find a post game interview. I had five minutes. Yeah, well, he, best I could nobody's do. perfect. Okay? No, nobody's but perfect. Speedy, you do a great job, brother. And he I'm does. Very he happy does. you're here, and not, you don't get enough credit. So I just want to let you know I appreciate you, and so do a lot of the guys. Thank All you, right? thank you, Mark. All right, you guys have a good night. Thanks, Mark. I'll call you later. That's Mark. Mark Kelly. All right, up next, the home stretch, the new home stretch with Tyler, a.k.a. Mothball Harrison, Eric Bowe, Jordan, and soon to come next week, Josh. So it'll be a new show, new everything on Thursdays with Tyler, a.k.a. Mothball Moron Harrison coming up next. Remember, you can call us at 845-478-3272. I'd like to thank Mark for calling the show. I'd like to thank Mike, a.k.a. The Beeve, calling the show. Like I said, up next, the home stretch. I will be back. I will be back on Monday. I will be doing the show Monday with uh, Speedy and uh, Steve. And then I will be gone for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I'll be back the week after. So I want to give a shout out to all the fans. Again, I want to apologize to the fans. Um, I've been going through a lot of stuff. And, you know, when you come on the radio, you try to get, you try to move away from all the bad stuff that's going on. And unfortunately, I sometimes bring it into the studio. But I want to apologize to all the fans if you think that I, I'm, not a, I'm not giving you guys 100%. But I, I'm trying to get everything out of the way so I can get back to normal and being my crazy normal self. So, um, Speedy, do you have anything to say before we go? Well, I, good show today. Obviously, a lot of banter. Uh, I'll see you on Monday, but I guess before that, uh, just enjoy Try to enjoy Miami. I know you said you don't like it, but I don't like Miami. I'm going to let everybody know I don't like Florida and I don't like Miami. So, just so you guys know, it's a no-no for me. And, so, and lastly, uh, as a Giants fan, thank you, Eli Manning, for all you've done for our team. And I would say that too. I'm not an Eli Manning fan. I am not a Giant fan, but I, I, you have to say something. He's the greatest quarterback to ever come out of New York, and that's the fact. Go look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Up next, the home stretch with Tyler Mothball Harrison here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.